are people of hope. Amen. Um, in knowing Christ, we have uh, a hope that will never, ever fade. Now, it's amazing how sometimes uh, seemingly unimportant uh, things stick in your mind. Uh, last night I woke up, I was dreaming about things in my childhood, and uh, one thing came to, uh, comes to mind this morning, uh, totally insignificant. I remember about 25 years ago, it was the first year I was in Namibia in Sokomund, uh, walking down the, the, the main street, and a man walked up to me, I, I'd never met him before, and he stuck out his tongue. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. But there was one difference, this man had a, a diamond on his tongue. And he was offering me a, a sale, a special price for a diamond that was obviously illegal. Uh, and that's just an insignificant fact. Uh, but sometimes there are other things that, that really strike you. And I remember some years ago there was a, a, a gentleman we knew and his wife had left him. His business was uh, in, in ruins, in tatters. It wasn't working out. And he was really down in the dumps. He, he felt absolutely hopeless. And eventually he got so down and depressed that he hospitalized him. And I, I remember speaking to the, person, the, the staff hospital that they, they didn't sedate this guy. He was really in a, in a bad spot. Well, they, they didn't do that. And the next thing, he, he jumped out of his bed and was heading for the highway. I'll never forget that. That man was really desperate. Life was treating him bad. And, and how often we were in that state of feeling absolutely hopeless. But Christians are people of hope. Let me say it again. Christians are, are people of hope because we've got something to, to place our hope in. Now if you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles and keep them open, uh, because we're not going to project the, uh, thing on the, uh, the, 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 the scriptures on the, on the screen. I was, I was thinking that we need to uh, use our Bibles, or open your tablets if you haven't got a Bible, or your phones. Uh, hopefully you've got a phone with a, a Bible on it. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and just one verse. I wonder if Marlene can get me some water. Thank you, Marlene. A uh, bottle of water will be good. I see my bottle has disappeared. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, just the first, is it five, uh, six words? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, and keep your Bibles open. We're going to be working through this chapter. Therefore, Paul says, we do not lose, what's the word? We do not lose hope. Though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. But I want to focus on those six words. Therefore, Paul says, we do not lose hope. Thank you, Marlene. Let me put that cap back on, because who knows might have what might happen. Why can we as Christians have a, a certain hope? People who, who live for and, and, and serve God, why can we have an absolute and, and, and certain hope? I want to share five pictures that Paul gives us, perhaps five convictions or, or five pers perspectives of the Christian life that 
give us a certain hope. The first perspective I want to share this morning is, is the perspective of, of the glory of God. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles, uh, just go back to chapter 3, the previous uh, chapter, and, and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. And here's the first picture. There are five pictures I, I want to share with you this morning, and, and this is the, the, the first one. Therefore, Paul says, since we have such, what is it? Such a hope, we are very bold. Friends, I want to say this morning that because of who Jesus is, who, who God is, we can be bold and confident. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance of God, what's the word, was what? Was fading away. Then if you go down to verse 17. Now the Lord is a spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now I'd like to say a loud amen to verse. It's a, it's a glorious verse. Now for the first picture, we, we need to go back to the uh, Old Testament. In fact, a chapter 34 of, of Exodus. Remember that Moses went up the, the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments and, and he encounters God. And this encounter is, is so glorious that when he comes down the mountain, his face is, is glowing with the glory of God. Remember that story? But you know, this, radi- this uh, radiance of God's glory on his face was, was getting less and less. And, and, and day by day, he didn't realize it initially, but then he put this thing over his, this veil over his face. But, but this glory was, a, and, and Scripture tells us, was a fading glory. Now Moses had to go up the mountain to, to meet with God. But you know, the good news for us is that we didn't have to go up a mountain or, or go to a place to encounter God because he, he lives within us. And the great difference is that Moses' glory was a, what was it, a, a fading glory. But Paul reminds us that, that this glory that we have within is get, becoming greater and greater. And we can meet with God anywhere. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 to 23 says the following. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now friends, because God is living within us by His Spirit, that that glorious radiance is increasing day by day, that's what Paul tells us in this passage now in verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 19, it says the following. Sorry, not verse 19. Uh, it's chapter 4 and verse 1. 
Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, of course, uh, Paul had a special ministry, but, but I w- I've got news for you. All of you are in the ministry. Amen? Amen. Not just the pastor or the deacons or the elders. Now, uh, this word transformed. Let's just go back to verse 18. And we who have unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, this word they use in the Greek is where we get the word metamorphosis. And the first thing I think about when we speak about metamorphosis is is, uh, caterpillars that are changed into beautiful butterflies, Um, It's a wonderful process. It's it's an amazing process. And do you know that God is changing us caterpillars into butterflies? Now, we have this glory that is uh, being radiating God's glory as we become more and more Christ-like. It was interesting, and as I read, uh, that uh, Moses reflected the glory of God. But you know, we as Christians, we, we radiate that glory because Christ is in us. And, and why is that? Well, in verse chapter 4 and, and verse 1, it tells us that we have experienced the grace and the mercy of God. Now, I want to go back to 2001. In 2001, uh, Moline and I, we toured the states, I think eight or nine states in the south. Um, and we went to San Antonio, and there is a place called SeaWorld Theme Park. Um, and they've got this gigantic roller coaster ride. Now, um, we'd never been on anything like this before in our lives, um, and we decided to do it. Uh, if you asked Marlene to do it again, she would never, ever, ever do that again. She was young and, what's the word? Crazy. Um, and you go through this roller coaster, it's absolutely uh, mind boggling, and. Right at the end, you've got this loop, and this goes right down, and they've got a camera near the end, and it takes a shot of every, is it a car, what do they call those things, going through, and you're going to see the people are, are screaming. Now, it's, it's the most expensive photograph I have ever paid for. It was $10, and in, there was a collapse in the rand. It was 14 to 1, so we paid 140 rand for one photograph, but we've still got it in our, our, our uh, 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 thing somewhere. Um, it was an absolutely amazing experience. It was an experience. But you know, as Christians, we experience God's mercy and grace. Isn't that experience? Far greater than a, a roller coaster, a, 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 a ride. And friends, as we experience that, that grace, that mercy, our, our lives are transformed and we radiate God's glory more and more. Isn't that glorious? Do you realize that as you, as you grow in Christ, you radiate more and more of, of God's glory? Do you have a, a perspective of, not just of God's glory in heaven, but a, a perspective of his, his glory that is flowing through your, your Christian life? It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling, and it gives me hope. 
The second picture we, we have as we look at these perspectives is, is the perspective of a, of a priceless treasure. Now I want you to look at chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul says the following, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in your body. Now, Paul was no stranger to, to crisis and pain and suffering. In fact, he, he recognizes, he acknowledges the, the struggles of life. Paul certainly had experienced the, uh, the, the sufferings, the pains of life, perhaps more than any of us could, could imagine. In fact, twice in this very book, he, he catalogues this, this list of, of suffering in chapter 6 and, and, and chapter 11. Troubles and, and hardships and distresses and beatings and imprisonment and hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, sorrow, beaten, stoned, left for dead shipwrecked in, in danger from bandits, his own countrymen, and false brothers. And certainly this man was no stranger to, to a hard life and, and to suffering. But friends, that wasn't the end of the story because he knew he wasn't alone. Paul knew that Jesus, by his Spirit, was with him day in and day out. And, and as he speaks about this experience, he, he gives us a, a picture of a, a clay pot and the treasure that was hidden within it. Now, in those days, they'd hide treasure in, in uh, 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 um, pots to hide it away so nobody would see it. And often these were cracked and broken pots. The, the, more, uh, the worse it looked, the better, because no one would suspect that the treasure was inside it, that, that these cracked pots... Uh, are there any cracked pots here today? I see there's one at the back. Okay. Uh, cracked pots, not cracked pots. And, uh, but the pot itself could be chipped and cracked and broken. But you know, the, the treasure within it was unchangeable. If there's one certainty in this picture, it was the fact that the treasure would remain the same. And friends, isn't this a, a powerful picture of a, of a great truth? Of the frailty of our humanity and, and the priceless treasure of the gospel, the good news of, of knowing and walking with, with Jesus Christ. The treasure was knowing and having a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord and so Paul could say in Colossians 1:27, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity. In Colossians 2:10, Paul goes in and he says, "You are complete in Him." I want to say this morning that if we do not know Jesus Christ as our, our personal Savior, we are incomplete. God desires for every man and woman to, to know Him and, and to uh, experience the fullness of, of God in Christ. The apostle could then reflect in that verse 7. 
Now we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this surpassing great power is from God and not from us. You see, the, the very nature of brokenness is the means by which people see the, the power of God. Let me say that again. Through our brokenness, our pain, our sickness, our, 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 our struggles in life, it is through that that people see the power and the glory of God. Now there were false preachers, and, and 2 Corinthians is much about this. There were false preachers in, in Corinth who had proclaimed a prosperity gospel. And this is what they said. They said, if, if you're a Jesus follower, you, you shouldn't be sick, you, you shouldn't be poor, you should be rich and, and prosperous, and, and everything should be going well for you. And right here, Paul refutes that, that false gospel, that message. And of course, all of us know that, that our faith does not keep us from the trials and, and tribulations of life. But you know, it's in the midst of the pain and the confusion and the hurts that Jesus comes. And friends, it's, it's right there that we, we see the, the power of God in our lives. Our humanity shows the transcendent power of God in your life and in my life. Verse 7 again, Now we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the surpassing great power is from God and not from us. And so Paul goes on in, in verse 8 and he says, We are hard-pressed, and, and the word can mean handicapped. We are handicapped on all sides. But he goes on and says, but we are not hemmed in. Remember Helen Keller, a, a lady who was blind and deaf. And she overcame those handicaps and, and she made her life count for God. We are hard pressed, we are handicapped on all sides, but not hemmed in. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. You know, Christians are like children who've just learned a long division at, at school in, in mathematics in maybe grade two or three. And suddenly they're, they're faced with, with calculus. Life battles us like the, the baker and the butler of, of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 40 until somebody comes to explain it. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Verse 9, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Life certainly deals God's children serious blows as it does with non-Christians. Our, our faith doesn't build a wall, a wall around us that keeps us from the storms. But friends, I want to say that, that Jesus gives you strength in the storms. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he shared the following as he, he faced a, a crisis in his life. I was given a thorn in the flesh, a, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I, I pleaded with the Lord to, to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power 
is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Friends, do you have a perspective? Do you have a picture of the priceless treasure within? Do you have that picture in your mind and your heart? But it doesn't stop there because there's a third picture that that Paul gives us. And and this is the the picture of Christ's sufferings. This is what he said, and go back to your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Friends, simply put, Jesus suffered and died on a cross so that you and I might have life. John 10.10, I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it to the full. Henry Blackaby, when he wrote Experiencing God, he, he shared the experience of his young daughter who had cancer. And I know that some of you have gone through crises like that. It's, it's absolutely devastating as we, we see one of our children struggling with health and, and full of pain and we can do absolutely nothing about it. And as he wrestled with this and he, he questions God's love and how can the, a God who's so loving allow my daughter to, to have cancer? But you know, God spoke to him and, and, and ministered to him through that crisis in his life. And he wrote afterwards, reflecting on on God's love. And he said the following, If you ever doubt God's love, look back to the cross. Friends, when you struggle and wrestle with pain and confusion, look back to what God has done in His Son, the Lord Jesus, at at the cross. Christ suffered and died for you. And so later Paul would share this prayer he prayed. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Let's read from verse 14. For this reason I nail before the Father. The Jewish people, when they were earnest in prayer, would would kneel and lift their hands. From whom the whole family in in heaven and earth derives its name. And here's the prayer, verse 16, Ephesians 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, and here it is, 
I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then those wonderful words we all know. Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Friends, Jesus wants you to know this amazing love which he, he speaks about. A love that is wide and long and high and deep. That's glorious love of Christ. Friends, have you forgotten? How often when we, fi- we face crisis, we, we forget that, that deep, glorious love of Jesus. I want to say to you, we need to look back at the cross. We need to give, look back at the, at the cross. Have you embraced the sufferings of Christ and the life, the, the hope and the, the confidence that gives you? But friends, that's not the final picture because firstly we see this picture, this perspective of, of victory and power over death. And, and Paul continues in our reading, go back to 2 Corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 13. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. That same spirit of faith, and, and if you want to translate that, it means the, the outlook of faith. The same spirit of faith we, we also believe and therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may give cause for thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Friends, we, we need to, in, in the words of, this, of the Greek, it's to have this outlook of faith, this spirit of faith. And, and Paul takes us back, the, the, the fourth picture, to the resurrection. This is absolutely incredible. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the very power that works in your life and one day will raise you up to eternal life. Isn't that incredible? That same power that lifted up Jesus from the dead will one day lift you up to life, into eternity. Do you realize, friends, that this very power is it work in your life? You know, when I think about that, that, that gives me hope. It gives me hope. And then the final perspective, perhaps the most important of all. Fifthly, the perspective of eternity. Paul explained like this in verse 16 to 18. Therefore, he says, we do not lose hope. Though our outer self is wasting away, Yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, and you might not agree with this at the moment if you're going through crisis, but it's true. For our light and momentary affliction is producing in our, for us an eternal glory that is far beyond comparison. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. 
But what is unseen is eternal. You know, it's so easy to get caught up with life and to lose hope and to lose perspective. But the apostle reminds us there is no reason to lose hope. You see, life on earth is is just a, a drop in the ocean when compared to eternity. Think about that. Take a, just a drop of water and drop it in the ocean. It doesn't compare. When we compare our struggles to eternity, we have great encouragement in, in verse 17. Our afflictions, Paul says, is replaced with glory. Just imagine that. Temporary afflictions replaced with the glory of God's presence. Our light afflictions, in comparison, are replaced with the the weight of glory, the the heaviness, the heavy glory that that God gives us. Our light afflictions are, are momentary in comparison and are replaced with the weight of glory that is eternal. Now, I don't think you and I can, can grasp eternity forever and for, forever. Friends, do you have an eternal outlook? Abraham, the man of faith, had a, an outlook of faith. And I want you quickly to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're almost uh, through uh, chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10. It says there, sorry, Hebrews 11 and verse 10. For Abraham was looking forward to a city without foundations, sorry, with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I actually must back up a bit, sorry. Let's look at verse 8, Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he's made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. Here's the verse, verse 10. For he was looking forward to a city without foundations, whose architect... And builder is God. Friends, here we see that Abraham was looking ahead for a heavenly city. And because of that, we, we read later that when he was faced with choice, remember Lot and Abraham had to split up, split up because their flocks were too big. And he goes on top of the mountain and, and he says to Lot, here's the land before us, you choose what you want. And, and Lot goes for, for Sodom and Gomorrah because it's green, it's beautiful, it's lush, there's lots of bucks there. But you know, Abraham did not make that choice because he had an eternal destination. Lot chose Sodom because he walked by, by sight and not by faith. But, but Abraham, the man of faith, he, he looked forward to an eternal reward. We see the same in, in Moses' life. Hebrews 11 verse 26. By faith Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded his grace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. 
Here it is. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Friends, I ask you this morning, are you looking forward toward your reward in heaven? Because that gives me hope. The Apostle Paul, facing a, a martyr's death in Rome, wrote in the prison epistle, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 to, 20, uh, to, to, to 23, again an, an outlook of faith that he, he speaks about in our passage. And this is what he says. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Friends, do you have an eternal perspective. In closing, the Milan Cathedral has three large entrance doors. On the left door, the inscription reads, All that pleases is but for a moment. The right door, the inscription reads, All that troubles is but for a moment and over the center door that only is important which is eternal isn't that so true all that pleases is but for a moment all that troubles is is but for a moment friends that only is important that is eternal I ask you this morning, do you have a hope and a confidence? Do you have the, the, the right perspective about knowing Jesus Christ? The perspective of God's glory. The perspective of a priceless treasure that is within you. A perspective of, of Christ's sufferings. A perspective of victory and power over death. And friends an eternal perspective. That certainly gives me hope. Let us pray. Father, as we reflect on our relationship of, of, of knowing you, Lord, as we reflect on your grace and mercy that is, is active in our lives, Lord, we know that we can be people of hope. Father, for those who are struggling today, who are wrestling with issues, Lord, who have been blinded by pain, oh God, we pray, give us a perspective of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the glory that is within. Lord, the life change that you are, are bringing in our lives as we become more Christ-like. Father, we thank you for that power that is at work within us. And Father, we know one day that we will be in your very presence and experience the full glory of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be overcomers. Lord, help us to have hope and confidence. Friends, if you, as we bowed, maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you've lost a job.
Maybe there's sickness or, or challenges at work, whatever it is. Won't you bring that to Jesus and say, Lord, I place these things in your, hope, in your hands. Lord, help me not to be overcome with doubt and despair, but Lord Jesus, to, to know the hope that you place in our lives. Won't you ask the Lord to do that right now in, in your life? Father, again, we thank you for the encouragement and the truth of your word. Lord, help us to, to ground our lives on, on this truth. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen.